Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and I'm not a vegan, and to my knowledge, I don't have any food sensitivities, but I am a very curious eater who's always looking to expand my culinary horizons, and the more vegan food that I've had, the more I've realized that it can be really delicious, despite some of the stigmas that people have about it. This evolution really began with me starting with Little V's, it expanded with Veg Edible, and now that I've had some of the stuff coming out of the kitchen uh, from Conscious Comforts, it's only like further expanded my horizons. So I am so excited to have the owners and creators of Conscious Comforts on today, uh, Lauren Wright and Alexis Jensen. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, hi. Thanks for having us. All right, real quick, because we've got two voices, I would love for each of you to just kind of introduce yourselves, even if it's just saying your name, just so people can differentiate as they listen to the conversation. I'm Lauren Wright. And I'm Alexis. All right. A couple nuts and bolts to knock out just before we start the conversation. So Conscious Comforts is not a restaurant, uh, so there's not like a physical location, but you guys offer vegan meals and baked goods for pickup or delivery. You do frequent pop-ups, and you also have baked goods and meals available at her company, which is located off 156 and Q. And everything on Conscious Comfort's menu is 100% vegan. So that means no meat, dairy, or eggs, and almost everything is gluten-free. Just want to get those things out there on the table to begin with. And now let's, let's get into it. So perceptions on food are always changing, but I think a lot of people, when they, when they just hear the term vegan food, immediately especially if they haven't had good vegan food, their mind goes to meals that are bland or lacking in flavor. They have weird meat substitutes, salads, stuff like that. I would love for you guys to just crush that misconception right off the bat. Just tell me how, why and how vegan food can be truly delicious. Um, I think that um, nostalgia has always kind of been at the heart of my food, and I set out right away to break those myths. So I've always tried to recreate stuff from my childhood. So I feel like my family, I grew up in a family of really good cooks. So uh, I've always tried to really recreate those flavors, and starting with that heart in the food, I think, has always made it really good. I've always tried to match what I grew up with. So Absolutely. Have you seen the attitude towards vegan and gluten-free foods start to shift in the last couple of years? 
Absolutely. I think when I started almost six years ago, it was like hard to find. You had to go to specialty grocery stores and now it's in almost every grocery store. Like you've like Baker's, I think even has their own line of different vegan stuff. So I think, I don't know if it's been like a forced perception change, but based on that, but I think people are a lot more open to it. Um, it's grown a ton in the last five years, five, six years for sure. Not only in the community, but even in our own families. Um, when we decided to start a vegan company, a lot, our families were like, oh, okay. And, you know, Lauren was bringing her entire Thanksgiving meal um, to the holidays. And then now I think she's bringing us a pie and everything else they're accommodating to her. Um, my mm-hmm. grandparents are having a weekly dinner where they don't do any meat um, or stuff like that. So even in our own families, the support has grown Um as well as the community. That's awesome. Yeah. How, how validating is that for you guys to have, to not only have your family accept it and be like, okay, that's great if you like it, but to be like, whoa, this is actually really good. We want this too. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool for yeah. sure. It's really special. It's come full circle for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think getting back to restaurants real quick, and there, there are still a lot of restaurants that do this, but like vegan food is kind of because they want to be accommodating. There's normally like one or two things kind of at the bottom of the menu, you know, that are technically vegan, but they're not like they're just kind of there to placate some if someone does have you know, the dietary restrictions or whatever. Right. I've noticed restaurants and menus start to be a little bit more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Creative. And like willing to say, not only do I need to have this vegan dish here, but like let's let's have some fun with this. Let's put some creative dishes on here. Would you guys agree with that? And have you started to see that trend at all? Yeah, I think like even Curry, they're in a hurry is right up the street from our kitchen, and they do like I think Wednesdays is their vegan Wednesdays. For sure, noticed a lot of restaurants that'll like focus a special day on doing stuff like that because there's there's a market out there for it, and I think people are really opening up to that and wanting to accommodate to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last year, um, Omaha Vegan Week was um, was a huge, huge thing in January, I believe it was. November or January? It was January, it was January yep. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and we, fo- we found and saw that a ton of non-vegan businesses were participating in that to, to reach out to that community and be like, not only do we have it this week, we have it all the time. So I thought that was really was cool. a good way to highlight all of that. For anyone who might not be aware, what was Omaha Vegan Week? Um, it was a one week where um, the restaurants in the community um, were able to promote their menus that were vegan. And if you went to that um, restaurant and supported them, um, some of those proceeds went to, I think it was an Iowa farm sanctuary. Okay. Is it? Scatterjoy Acres? Scatterjoy Acres, I think yeah. is where it went, yeah. yeah. And um, Kelly Olsler, I believe they used to own Oasis. Oasis Falafel mm-hmm. of Omaha, um, yeah. She's the one who put that on, and it was it was really awesome. Mm-hmm. It was fun. And then all of January is also Veganuary, so that was one week out of January to highlight that as well. Sweet. Yeah. All right, so let's get into Conscious Comfort specifically. So you guys offer all kinds of baked goods from donuts to cinnamon rolls to the famous seeded rye bread and you also offer like full meals like pizzas um pastas enchiladas the famous nunzas (laughs) you mentioned lauren that a lot of the things that you come up with are nostalgic they're things that you grew up with is that how most of the menu is developed is just taking things that are comforting in your mind and finding a way to re-engineer them 
I would say it's 50-50 is like nostalgia and the other part of it is like finding something that's like not on the market yet. Like we have like a gluten-free vegan cannoli. I've never seen those anywhere and our pasta is gluten-free and vegan. I've seen a lot of gluten-free pasta that has egg in it or vegan pasta that's not gluten-free. So we try and hit all those marks. But on the other side of it, like my potato salad, that is something my dad always made. He always made it with a ton of mustard and a ton of dill pickles. And it seems a little weird at first, but it's amazing. Um, Another item we do is chicken salad um, that we sell at Cream of the Crop in the summer. And you can always order it from us as well. Uh, It's vegan, of course, but my grandma always used to make that and we used to eat it by the spoonful out of the bucket that she made it in. So, sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it definitely comes from memories from Fourth of July picnics, like the plates on the table. I definitely try and recreate those as something everyone can eat. Yeah, so... Like, take, take me through the process of how this works. Like, you come up with a nostalgic dish. You're thinking about something from your childhood, and you say, that would be great, but I want it in vegan form. Like, how do you pull it back and, like, basically take it apart and then put it together with new pieces in vegan form? I try to take what's familiar in a recipe that is already vegan, like flour is already vegan, and a lot of the binders that we use in our kitchen, I guess, are already vegan. So I just try try to put those together and then I try and match the flavors uh, that I remember. And that's just kind of how we build a recipe. And we try and find the best subs. We do a lot of trial and error um, trying to find the best subs to for our recipes. So if you've had some of our first recipes, they're probably a little bit rough. But <laughs> yeah, we, shout out to the people who have been here since, since the beginning. beginning. For sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but we, we just try and replace what's not familiar with the best sub. And that's how we come up with our products. I found a quote from you from a couple of years ago that said that trying to recreate these things is like a fun challenge for you that like keeps you invigorated, which I can imagine it would be. So I would love for you guys to take one example, and that is the Reuben sandwich. I was going back through your Instagram. That's something that you had semi recently. When I say semi recently, I think like past six months, something mm-hmm. like that. For sure. You start with the Reuben. How do you like take take me through the process of rebuilding that thing in a way that doesn't have meat, doesn't have dairy, doesn't have anything that you know you're not allowed to have? Um. So I my the Reuben recipe comes from my grandma. Uh, that's one of my favorite memories. She would send out, she'd call the family and be like, I'm making Rubens tonight. And we'd all run down. We'd never have a side with them. We'd usually each get a sandwich and then find someone to split a second one with. So that's one of my favorite memories growing up. So it was something I definitely had to recreate. And we already had the seeded bread. So that's where that started. Um, she always used and marble rye on correct hers. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the seeded bread was always vegan. Always vegan, always yeah. Vegan. It always was. A lot of stuff is accidentally vegan mm-hmm. that some people don't understand. So it's it's kind of a lot easier in some senses than people think. But I just wanted mm-hmm. to, yeah, the seeded bread was always vegan. So continue. And this, yeah, the seeded <laughs> bread was our touch on it. Um, my grandma always used the marble rye on hers, but we already had the seeded bread on our menu and it fits really well with everything and then I just kind of I was like what spices did you use how long did you cook it so I started there and then I found a really solid seitan recipe I kind of like meshed two together so I could get the flake that you get from like a normal 
roasted corned beef. And it's, we're probably on like, take five of it. <laughs> we've, we've had a lot of different recipes, yeah. but we're finally, the flavor has always been really good in it, I would say, but we finally have like the texture and the flavor going hand in hand now. So it's one of my favorite ones for sure. I would love to hear from both of you. What is the recipe or multiple recipes, however you want to take this, that you're most proud of? So that could be either this one just turned out super delicious or this turned out to be like a bestseller or it could be this one took like 10 iterations. It was really, really tough for us to get there. But when we got there, it was amazing. So which, what are you most proud of? Um, go first. <laughs> I'll go first. So I don't do a lot of the recipes. Lauren kind of masters a ton of the recipes and then kind of hands it over to me to not perfect, but I can get really good at it and just do it. And then it gives her time to focus on new recipes. She makes it pretty and sells it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think my favorite was, not my favorite, but um, the one I'm most proud of is our bruschetta. Um, We do bruschetta in the summer for a lot of the produce stands. And why it was, I think my favorite is because it was a family recipe that we kind of, we we tweaked it a little bit, um, but I saw the produce stands not being able to sell all of their tomatoes. And I, I thought it was really cool that I could take their local tomatoes and turn it into something that um, was a profit for not for both of us that would have otherwise been just, just a loss. And so that's kind of transformed into, um, it's actually how we started doing all of our wholesale. We are like, let's do bruschetta. And then it turned to potato salad and then chicken salad and then Pop-Tarts and then enchiladas and then spinach artichoke dip. And so Bruschetta kind of opened the doors for everything else. So I think that's what I'm most proud of. It sounds like you definitely should be proud yeah. of it. A lot of <laughs> stuff came from that. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Lauren? I think one of the recipes, I'm probably proud of two of our gluten-free recipes, and that being our cinnamon rolls and our pasta, because those are really, once you take the gluten out of those, that stretch is really hard to replace. So it took a lot of messing around with stuff to get that. And cinnamon rolls specifically are definitely a nostalgic thing for me. Um, Every Christmas morning, my dad always had them, like he'd rise them overnight on the counter from frozen and you'd bake them fresh in the morning. And that was always a memory that I had. So the gluten-free one was really special to be able to give that back to people. I always notice a huge influx on Christmas for cinnamon rolls. So I think that I'm not the only person that has that memory. So it was really special to get that back. Um, And then the pasta is kind of a new thing I've taken over Uh, the gluten-free pasta, which is, it's hard. I mean, Gluten is what makes pasta pasta, so it was a little bit of a challenge, but I think it's pretty darn good. The cinnamon rolls are, I think, the recipe that took the longest to perfect. It was, you know, shout out to the OGs from the beginning. They got some <laughs> really bad gluten <laughs> They were rolls. horrible. I can't and believe people <laughs> paid for them. Truly, we're sorry. <laughs> but once Lauren figured it out, like, I, yeah, it's, we put those out. We, we make so many of them, and it's something to really be, to be proud of. They're awesome. They are. I, I don't mind prefer. eating the gluten. Like, we do make a regular cinnamon roll as well, a non-gluten-free one, but I don't mind eating the gluten-free one at all. It's very good. Yeah, and I think the gluten-free is better, perfect, like, perfectly honestly. I think it's better than our non-gluten-free It's a little one. lighter, I would okay. say. Mm-hmm. Now, you guys have mentioned multiple times that, you know, there have been several iterations of products or, you know, that something was not great at the beginning and it's been improved upon now. Do you get to a point with recipes where you're just like, yep, this is it? 
we're 100% good to go? Are you constantly looking to evolve and you're, you know, saying even if, hey, our Seminoles are really great now, but, oh, I just saw this little trick on Instagram or something. Maybe this could take it even to the next level. Like, do recipes ever reach the finish line or is there always another finish line after it? They, I would say they definitely hit the finish line, but there's a lot of tweaking. Like if it's the first time we've done something, the second time you have it, there's probably going to be maybe a new spice in there or something. We're just trying to hit on different flavor notes. Yeah. But once it's good, we don't, unless I find a really good trick online, we're not usually messing with anything. Yeah. The recipe will stay the same. If we can um, transition into anything or transform anything, it's going to be how to do it quicker, how to be Mm -hmm. more efficient in making it. Um, like for example, when we started with bruschetta, we were hand chopping every single tomato. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) It was, yeah, like 11 hours of just chopping tomatoes. It was just, it was a whole day, not a smart business decision. And now we have a chopper and it's made life a lot easier. So just finding more efficient ways to do things, I think is something we're always looking to do. For sure. Mm -hmm. Alexis, I want to go back to something that you said a couple minutes ago, you mentioned, your kind of different roles in the company that Lauren is more in recipe development and then you're kind of finishing slash beautifying it. Can you, can you guys kind of just flesh those roles out a little bit more? Yeah. So, um, Lauren started the company out of her house in 2019, um, doing Thanksgiving pies. And I think by January, 2020, we had moved into a commercial kitchen and I had joined the scene. Um, And I've always been more of the organizer, the customer communications, the marketing on social media. Um, I do all of those, whereas Lauren does all of the recipes. It's all her recipes. It's all her food. Um, And we always joke that we're not sure which one is left-brained and right-brained, but it's completely opposite. And that's why we're able to work so well together. Um, Do you want to jump in or have yeah it. I yeah we work we work very well together I think people have even complimented us on that um but yeah I definitely take over the recipe side of things I'm always creating new stuff and then we'll kind of narrow it down to see if it wants to go on a menu um yeah I think she's she anything you see on social media anytime you're communicating with us it's always Alexis, for sure. I think the first couple customers I tried to communicate with, they were like, can I get a cake? I need it for this date, blah, blah, blah. I think I said, yup. And she (laughs) she took it over from that point, I think. So communication, I can verbally communicate very well, but when I have to put pen to paper, it's kind of a blank for me. So she's definitely taken that over and I focus on the food. I'm completely opposite. I, I'm a writer, so if I can write something down and, like, delete it and, like, really edit it, that's great. But if I have to, like, talk and, like, on the spot, it can be a jumbled mess sometimes. But we're doing our best. Well, I will commend you on your social media game because oh, well, thank you. I was already impressed before I did my research for this. But as I was going back just through your Instagram, A, I had to scroll back a long ways because you post very frequently, which you need to as a a company like yours. You have to post daily, if not more. But I was just like, man, there's just like a treasure trove of information here. So thank you. You made my research process much easier. I'm happy I could do that for you. The Facebook algorithm, I think we're all victims of that. (laughs) We're all doing our best trying to beat it. That's a podcast episode in and of its own. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So let's get into the origin story of Conscious Comforts. From what I can tell, based on social media, you guys met 12 years ago in college. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but... 
How did you meet? Um, okay, so I actually was thinking about this on the way here. It wasn't 12 years ago. It wasn't. It was okay. 10 years ago. It was 10 years yeah. ago, um, or like nine years ago. Yeah. Yeah, 2013. Um, so my boyfriend at the time had a house, and he was the only one with a house, and her boyfriend was bringing her out to the house to hang out. And so he threw parties out there. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a party house <laughs> in college, and Lauren was coming to hang out. So um, from there... Um, it started with parties. Then it was like, um, I worked at a produce stand at a gas, like it was in the parking lot of a gas station that Lauren was working at. So we just kind of became there. And then I think, I it, think I would leave work and like come talk to you for like an hour until you got off work. And then we'd occasionally go hang out afterwards. Yeah. And then from there, I think it, it we both had a love for food. And so being 19, um, not a lot of people our age had money to like go out and, and eat, and we didn't have money either, but we're, we're going to do it anyway. So we had I a lived lot at home fun. at the time, too. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of fun going out to extravagant lunches, um, yeah, when we were like in the, our early 20s and just finding new things, and yeah, that's how we met. And our friendship grew from there. Yeah, we became friends, and then roommates, and then co-workers, and then roommates again. And then business partners. So it's yeah. kind of completely evolved. Yeah. At what point did the idea of the avocadery <laughs> enter yeah. the picture? Um, we were roommates. Yeah. <laughs> there is always like a back burner idea. Like I worked in a restaurant when I lived with them. So I, I was also in hair school, but I was working at a restaurant and I like <laughs> had this idea in my head that I was going to open a restaurant one day, even though I was in hair school. I don't know. <laughs> you but weren't totally wrong. I know. I wasn't. I always had this feeling. I think I was just she was going through the motions. Pedaling hummus at Harris. I was. I was. <laughs> I did. I did pedal hummus. I went to the the director. I was like, "Is it okay if I do this?" He's like, "I don't care." And people loved it. People yeah. loved my hummus. People still. You'll occasionally see a comment like, "Oh my gosh, Lolo's hummus." <laughs> if there were a hair salon that offered me homemade hummus, I would go there tomorrow, and that would be my new place so you are validated on that yes yes so yeah so I was working at a restaurant I loved I just loved the vibe of it and I always I'm like I kind of want something like this so I was like we'd always talk about it and I think when I went I was starting to go vegan it was kind of like a step-by-step process I was like obsessed with avocados and that's where the avocadoria came to be it was a completely (laughs) avocado based restaurant um it was going to be lime green, just like our kitchen is now. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad avocados it's not. and everything. That I'm was gl- the idea. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad it's not because we do a lot more than just avocado based recipes. And um, I think it's really it's really grown into more than what we ever thought it could be. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah. I never had any restaurant experience. I was in school to be a teacher, and then um, I was helping a restaurant owner, owner in Omaha. Um, with his English, he wasn't a, English wasn't his first language. So I was helping him and then it kind of turned into a full blown assistant position. And that's how I kind of learned and got my into the restaurant industry. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and it should be mentioned that you guys have not perfectly matching, but almost matching avocado tattoos. We do. We do. (laughs) Yes. Which I, I, I mean, that's just, if that's not pure friendship, I don't know yeah. what is. So. Yes, that, that came definitely from the 
no longer avocado. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's that's it's in our logo. It's definitely at the heart of it for mm-hmm. sure. So um let, let's get into the the origins of how you guys got interested in vegan cuisine. And Lauren, I know that that started with you and and some health issues that you were having. So I'll let you divulge as much as you want or whatever as far as that goes. But how did like how did vegan food get on your radar? So in 2014, I believe, I was diagnosed in June or July with psoriasis. Um, and I was set to start, I was enrolled in hair school to set in October. Um, and psoriasis is like eczema, kind of. I always say it's eczema you can see it's really itchy and it can also affect your joints or something called psoriatic arthritis. So I was like 19 dealing with like joint pain and really itchy, dry, painful skin. And I think I didn't wear shorts for like two summers because it was just not worth like the explanation of no, I didn't get attacked by bugs. Like this is just my skin. So I was dealing with that. I wanted to kind of get a grip on it before I started school full-time so I was researching I was trying every cream out there like every lotion every Epsom salt bath soak um, as well as I was like I was like looking online a lot and trying to find people who like were maybe using medications but also doing other things in their life to maybe help with it and I the more I looked a lot of things I kept seeing were gluten-free or dairy-free or paleo And so I was trying all of those. I think I tried a million different diets and it really clicked when I put gluten-free and dairy-free together. I think that's around when I started making hummus in hair school is when I was doing the gluten-free, dairy-free thing. And that clicked. I really started to feel better. My skin started to look better. And from from that point, I was looking up a lot of gluten-free, dairy-free recipes, and they were just inherently vegan. So I just was like, okay, this just makes sense. So I started eating that way. And um, from that point, I think, like, picnics and, like, outings with friends or, like, if you'd bring a dish, like, I just started to be the one known that would bring, like, a gluten-free, dairy-free vegan dish for if you had any of those things. Like, you'd know I'd bring something that you could enjoy. So it kind of grew from there into where I started out of my kitchen in 2019. So Mm -hmm. Lauren's love language has always been feeding people. So like even when conscious comforts was the avocado still, um, she was baking cakes for her friends. She was inviting people over for dinners and it just, I think it grew into, into what it is for sure. Yeah. I had like a few friends or like friends of friends with celiacs. I'm like, Oh, they're going to be there. Like I'll make sure I have something for them. No problem. So I was, yeah, I just kind of got known to be that person. So it grew from there. Hey there listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about certified Piedmontese. There are certain moments in your life that are so remarkable. You'll just never forget them. I distinctly remember the first time that I watched LeBron James play basketball and the first time I saw the original Star Wars. The sheer awe I had in those moments changed the way I look at basketball and movies, respectively, moving forward. The same goes to steak, thanks to certified Piedmontese. The rib cap at Casa Bovina is so rich, decadent, and fork tender that it is seared into my brain. But you don't have to dine at Casa Bovina to have that same life-changing experience. This beef is so delicious, even the average home cook can look like a superstar using these steaks, roasts, and ground beef. Trust me, I know from experience. Check out all the options on certifiedpiedmontese.com 
and use my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, for 25% off your order. It's time to start creating new beef-centric memories that'll stay with you forever. And now, back to my guest. Now, when we're talking about gluten-free, dairy-free, meatless cooking and baking, I mean, that requires a, a knowledge of a whole new spectrum of ingredients and techniques that most cooks don't even think about and never have to learn. How did you level up your cooking game to understand these new ingredients and techniques uh, that you needed to create these things? I think it started with it being a need for me, but it never felt like a chore. I've always really enjoyed cooking. And like anytime I nailed a recipe with like a subbed ingredient to make it something that I could eat, like it was always really exciting. So it was never, never a chore for me. It was always an enjoyment and definitely a fulfillment when I would figure something out. So at what point? Oh, sorry. Alexis. Oh, no. Alexis. Um, I, just the res- restaurants in Omaha in general. I mean, I think even in the last three or four years is when vegan has started to be more accommodating at those restaurants. But before, I don't think Lauren really had the choice. If she wanted really good food that was accommodating to her dietary needs, she had to make it. So mm-hmm. she she had to learn. Life's too short to eat bad foods. So <laughs> I feel like you've said that a few times yeah, before. It so. is, it I is. might have to steal that and make yeah. that the new tagline for the podcast. Life's too short to eat bad food. I could not agree a- anymore. So you're making this stuff for yourself. You're seeing improvements in your own health. You're making it for friends. They're starting to enjoy it. At what point does it enter your mind? Maybe this could be a business. Like maybe this could be something more. I've kind of always had a feeling that I wanted to do something for myself. So I think when I was going vegan and just started not really getting recognized, but people just like always knew I'd like take care of them. I was like, okay, this is like, I've always had this feeling. This is what it is. Like this makes sense. And at the time I was like, I was bartending and I was just, I, I was making fine money. I liked my job. I liked my regulars, but it was just like, day in and day out it was the same thing and I was like I need something different and it just I just started putting one foot in front of the other I think I made a binder at one point I thought of the name I was like conscious comforts I think I like told her yeah, yeah. I told my husband I like put it on a binder I like wrote it in sharpie and bubble letters or something I remember my husband picking up the notebook he's like do it I'm like oh, he said, okay do it and he threw it on the table he did I was like, do it I was oh, like sorry. okay yeah not supposed to hit the table <laughs> so I, I was like okay so that was probably around like September, October and started a Facebook page and an Instagram. I think our first pictures are on my like side table that we cleared off and like put a light on. It took hours for those first pictures. For sure. <laughs> we had no idea what we were doing. And um, at that point, I was just behind the scenes helping when I could. And I was like, OK, so she literally have the lamp on the table and I was taking different, <laughs> different <laughs> angles. Was, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a fun learning process. So you, I mean, Alexis, you got to see this company start to stake, start to take shape and be built up. I mean, you're, you were there, but you were yeah. also like not inside the company, kind of from the outside. At what point were you like, I want to, I want to get involved with this. I think Lauren's doing something cool. Um, I think that I was always like, behind the scenes like helping and giving advice just as a, as a best friend we were always best friends before business partners and then once she needed to move out of her house I was trying to find like connections um, I have connections in my family that I was like hey 
um, Pam Nelson Produce, mm-hmm. they have an off season. And so I was like, hey, Pam, um, I have a friend who has a business. Is there any way um, that she could use your kitchen in the off season? And she said yes. And then once Lauren got moved into that kitchen, she needed some help. So yeah. <laughs> um, I think that was like, yeah, let's do it. And then COVID happened. And so we were both kind of, um, we both still had jobs, but they weren't our hours. They like weren't our hours. More than cut in half. Yeah. And so um, it, it was kind of, we had no business growing as fast as we did. Honestly, like we just, we had the downtime and then people were really into supporting local um, because of the time in, in the world. It was a pretty scary time. And so people fa- found out about, about us and yeah, the Facebook numbers kept growing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I think you guys kind of hit the wave like at the right time too. You mentioned with COVID, you know, a lot of people were looking for meals that they could get and enjoy at home. And supporting local was just such a a big thing at that point. Mm -hmm. Also, 2019 was declared the year of the vegan by The Economist, which coincidentally, I mean, that's when you guys opened for business. So, like, there's a lot of factors that kind of pushed in the same direction, Mm -hmm. I think, that helped you. But was there any hesitation on your part? I mean, Omaha, like, we're known for steaks. This is the beef state. We have Omaha steaks, like. Which there are steakhouses on every corner. Like this is such a a meat and potatoes city. Was there any hesitation in your mind? Like, are people gonna take to this? Um, I think in 2019 I might have seen that quote somewhere that it was the year of the vegan. So I was like, no, 2020 is the year. Like we gotta. I don't want to wait another year. Like this is the year we're gonna start it in January of 2020. We did like the our first event was the Wonton Johns indoor farmers market at nebraska brewing company i'm pretty sure we sold out at that event and it was like it was so exciting we signed up for the next one right away and then before that could ever happen covid had shut things down so it was a little scary at first figuring out what to do and then i we like offered free delivery and we're like all right let's start making stuff let's see what people want (laughs) i think we started with pastries and once yeah like lauren was saying once covid hit and we were offering free delivery we were just trying to evolve with what people wanted so if someone called and said hey can i have some enchiladas i'd be like Lauren, can you make enchiladas? (laughs) And then we're like, okay, cool. Those turned out great. Let's put them on the menu. And then, yeah, yeah, I think that's how we've kind of built to what we do today. I think it, like, I know there wasn't a lot of hesitation. I think by the time we started, not only, like, I always knew everything was going to be plant-based, but I also always wanted to have a gluten-free option. And I've always said, if you're not vegan or you're not gluten-free you might have an egg allergy or you might have a dairy allergy so regardless of what your actual diet is our food's for everyone and that's always kind of what we've said so there is no hesitation I always thought there was a need for it when we started that's the thing that I've appreciated and that I've really tried to trumpet when I've talked about places that offer gluten-free dairy-free um vegan food whatever it might be is like it's good to have those labels on things because you want people to feel comfortable eating them, especially if they have dietary restrictions. But like for someone like me, I don't need those labels on there. Good food is just good food. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter what it's Mm -hmm. made. Like if it's delicious, I'll eat it. So I, and that's something that I've loved 
as Omaha has continued to just embrace vegan food and gluten-free food and better offerings have come out, is it's mm-hmm. just like, it? there's not, a, I don't think there's a stigma with it anymore. Like, even probably six months ago, if I told my wife I was bringing home some uh, gluten-free pasta from her company with the meat essentially was mm-hmm. lion's mane mushroom. She would have been like, damn, what? <laughs> and and this time I brought, I brought it home and she's just like, this is fantastic. This is awesome. So I just, I love that those barriers are being lowered and more people are becoming accepting because of stuff that you guys are doing. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think it's really important for not only us, but other res- restaurant owners and business owners in the community to do it because so much of life is celebrated with food and people with dietary restrictions should have that option. And so I think the coolest part of getting to do what we do is when our customers reach out to us and be like, this is the first time my eight year old has had a pop tart. And it's just like, it's really cool to see that and allow those people get to have those experiences now too. All right, Alexis, take me back to the beginning because I mean, when you're getting news out about a brand new company, especially one that doesn't have a storefront, like the social media game has to be on point. You have to be really, really good about getting the word out. How did you get the word out about Conscious Comforts? Um, every So there's an option on Facebook where you can invite every single friend on Facebook <laughs> to, yes. like, to like a group. And so um, I would go to all of my friends and all of my family members, and I would tell Lauren to go to all, to all of her family members and friends and be like, tell them to like every single one, or tell them to invite every single one of their friends. And if like my my husband's friends, they don't really do social media, I would take their phones and do it for them. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, yeah, that's essentially how we would grow. And then I would see people who were invited to to con- to like conscious comforts that way, and then they would be like, "Oh, it's this is a vegan and gluten free company. This is great." And so, yeah, that, and then literally posting every day. I, I would get to a point at the beginning where if I wasn't posting, I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, I need to post." Lauren, do you have any ideas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what pictures you got? <laughs> yeah, that that's the hardest part is finding pictures. Or like having enough pictures. I don't like reposting pictures, but uh, last year my phone went into the river <laughs> on a kayaking trip. And so now we have to reuse a lot of pictures until I can get used to getting all those back. So mm-hmm. so there's a line on your website on the About Us page. It states, with notebooks full of half-baked ideas and backburner goals, the two, you guys, Mm -hmm. set out to define which direction they wanted to take on a business that seemed unreachable for so long. Can you unpack that for me a little bit? Like, what do you mean by the word unreachable? So, like I I had, we talked about, it started as the avocadery, and it wasn't ever anything that either of us did any kind of legwork to There was nothing set in motion. We literally wrote notes in in a book like in a notebook, that was it. And so, um, and our, our lives were kind of taking different paths. I was, I had graduated college and I was starting a career. Lauren was working at a hair salon and it just was something that we never really kind of visited ever. And I can't, I can't even lie. We, I never did visit it again. I was, I didn't think we were going to do it. And then Lauren had reached out to me and said that, um, she, she was going to do it. And if I wanted to do it, I could, but she was going to do it cause she was ready. I was like, you know, I'm in a place in my career where I don't think I can leave right now. So 
go ahead, do it. And I'll be here to support you however I can. And then, yeah, she jumped and she did it. That is for sure. And then I came on scene two months in. later. Then you jumped <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah. You ended up jumping in. Yeah, you I was like, okay, okay, let's do it. So I've always kind of been like a very safe like person. Like I'm not, I'm not really a risk taker. Like I like to, I don't know, I like answers. I like, I'm very comfortable in a position and I'll stay there. Whereas I think Lauren's more of that risk taker and um, is is willing to just jump right in for sure. Again, that's the yin and the yang yes. that I think makes you <laughs> guys sure. work. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> okay, so taking back to early 2020, because you mentioned you, you start the company, you have this this pop-up at, um, at the winter market, and it goes really well. You've got a lot of momentum. I'm assuming you guys are super excited. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hits. And you mentioned, you know, the, the pivot that you kind of made was just kind of listening to customers and giving them whatever they wanted. But when that first hits, like, what what goes through your mind? Do you, like, I'm assuming you guys sat down, had some kind of a brainstorm session, like, okay, we've got this brand new company. There's something here. There's no doubt about that. But now this giant black unknown that we don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know what it looks like is upon us. How do we move from here? What were those early conversations like? I don't know if early on there was any conversations. I remember like laying in bed for the first week COVID happened and being like, I just spent my life savings on a bunch of equipment geared towards events and those aren't happening. And what am I going to do? And I kind of moped around for a little bit. And then I was like, nope, we're just, we're just going to figure it out. Let's, here's a couple dishes we have. Let's see what people want. Let's offer free delivery. And it grew from there. Like Omaha wrapped their arms around us for sure. Yeah, it was, it was so hard. There was so many unknowns. We had, I mean, I think there was a time where essential workers and non-essential workers, we didn't know if we were going to be allowed to even go to our kitchen. I think that, um, it being just us two there, there was nobody else there. There was no other interactions um, with people helped a lot, helped a lot with our peace of mind. And then our customers like, Hey, we're going to deliver this to you for free. And we're going to leave it at your doorstep. You don't even have to, um, you don't even have to see us because you can have it hot. We can bring it, take and bake, whatever you want. Whatever you need. So we're we'll just, do it. Yeah. So I think, I think, yeah, we just took it day by day and, um, I think you were also working during the day and I would work at night. So like I would go prep everything all day. I'd get like a pan ready. I'm like, okay, you just need to put it in the oven, get it hot and deliver it to these people and make sure you post at four o'clock and <laughs> I'm going to go to work and okay, let's, let's, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, We did that for a long time. Mm-hmm. What was the first event that you guys did post COVID? Like when things were, I don't even know if we're post COVID right now, but when yeah, things were right. safe again, I think, we did a few at Diana's Papillion Tea Shop, but it was like people, it was so people, like people didn't have to drive to us mostly. Like it was still take and bake stuff that we brought to them, I think. I'm trying to think the first time I'd have to go back, but I don't, I think it was the summer of 2020 that Diana's was finally open, opened up again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to, to go there. Mask, obviously. Um I think it, I think it was the late summer of 2020. So from, I think January to June or July, probably, Mm -hmm. um, we were strictly delivery only. Mm -hmm. Now when things did open back up and you're able to, you know, host pop-ups that people could just come to safely and enjoy your food. I'm so curious what it was like for you guys 
because pretty much the entire life of your company had been delivery or to go. So it's one thing to like to get great customer feedback and have them tell you, hey, we really liked this and everything. It's another, and I've been told this by just about every chef, when they see someone eat something and their eyes light up or they're mm-hmm. just like, whoa, that was not what I was expecting. Like that's a whole different level. So what was it like for you guys to experience that, to get to see people eat your food in person? I think to this day, it still scares me to see people eat food, but (laughs) it's so rewarding to see them enjoy it and finish their plate. And especially when they come up afterwards and tell you how amazing everything was, it feels really good. So the first, the first time that we actually got to see it, it was really special. I think I would like turn away. (laughs) And then, um, but I think the, the thing I had looked for, I enjoyed the most was I think we all were craving humor and human interaction at that point. And so just like getting to meet people, um, in person and talking to them and how did they find us? I think, um, like, Oh, you're so-and-so on Instagram. Like nice to put a face to a yes. name. Yeah. I, I think, um, uh, Omaha fatty came to our first Diana's papillion tea shop and that like, I had no idea who he was. And then like now we're Facebook friends and uh, I cheer on his daughter doing wrestling. And like, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, just to see, that those regulars um, become like, like not friends in our life, but acquaintances in our lives that um, we care about their well-being and uh, they get to eat our food. So. Yeah, they move beyond being just customers. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. Um, now you guys have done, and correct me if there's more than this, but you've done a couple pop-ups at Chef Around the Block where it's not just, hey, we're selling baked goods or we're selling take and bakes, but it's like, we've got four or five menu items and yeah, we're going to be cooking them to order for you and people are going to sit here and eat them inside the restaurant. What were those like? Like, well, take me, actually take me back to the first one of those because that's so different from what you guys traditionally do. So what were the days and hours leading up to that event like for you? So the first event that I think we short ordered cooked for, and by we, I mean Lauren, because I run the <laughs> register, um, was there was a yoga, like a yoga. Lotus put it on. I can't oh, think okay. of the name. Called. I don't remember. It was a summer event. It was a summer thing, and um, it was like a seven-hour event, and it was our first one, so we decided seven hours. to do a, it was like all day, yeah. a breakfast menu and a lunch menu. And so like was, midday, we swapped menus. We never did that again. <laughs> <laughs> um, the lessons people, you learn. Yeah, people yeah. were like, can I still get that burrito? As I was like making like a melt for lunch, I'm like, oh, uh, you sure? <laughs> I sold stuff out, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. so I think it was a lot of uh, a lot of hard lessons learned, like, and then that, and then like learning to prep the amount of food that we thought we needed, we would either prep way too little or way too much and we would be eating it for weeks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was a difficult task. We've definitely gotten better for sure. Yeah. That was, then we, from that, we started doing monthly pop-ups at Stir Coffee Bar. We do like French toast or breakfast burritos. Mm-hmm. So those, those were good to get into it. And then I would say chef around the block. It was like a little more elevated stuff that we do. Our first one, we did like our handmade pasta. So we did debut it. So we did like a ravioli and our gnocchi with, oh, what did we do? I don't remember the sauces we did with them, butter, but uh, brown butter, sage sauce and, and vodka, sauce. The vodka sauce. Yes. For the, the raviolis. 
And now I think we prefer to do short order pop-ups, like where we're making it in front of them, because takeout, like good food is good food, but takeout food is always going to lose a little bit of its quality. Mm -hmm. And so being able to make it fresh for them and them being able to sit down right there and eat it, I think is huge, um, not only for them, but for the quality of any food, not just ours. Oh, no question. Absolutely. So that, that kind of leads me into another question that I'm really interested in is you guys have made it pretty clear on social media and through other just stories that I read, maybe even on your website, that opening a restaurant is not something that you're interested in anymore. The avocado is an idea of, no the, of the past. <laughs> yes, no. you, you, you like where you are and you want to stick in this lane. A lot of young cooks, restaurateurs, you know, entrepreneurs, they consider like opening their own restaurant to be the pinnacle. That's not you guys' route. Can you kind of talk me through that thinking? Why why not a restaurant? Um, I like I've always said there's like a huge market for vegan and gluten free and just allergy friendly in general. And that expands past Omaha and the surrounding areas. So our goal is really to get things into places and maybe more rural areas. Um, Just because we know there's a need just to meet the need where it's at is really what our goal is to go to the people, I guess, rather than them have to come to us. I like that. Um, from the very beginning, uh, Lauren's been pretty adamant that she wants to do this um, whole endeavor with no loans, and that's kind of what we've stuck to. And so we like to grow at our own pace and what we can, um, what the business can afford. And so um, that's really what we've been doing. We've been growing as the business grows, and um, I think we have a couple ideas of how we want to become more accessible to people in the community. Um, but a restaurant, a sit-down restaurant, has never really been the goal or Um, what we expect. I think you look at so much of what conscious comforts has been and what it's become. And it, so much of it is about flexibility Mm -hmm. and being able to create new recipes, whether that's something that is based off a comfort dish from your childhood or something that a customer is just like, can you make enchiladas? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, doing a, doing a pop-up where it's short order cooking and saying, Hey, you know what? We, we do kind of like this. We're good at this. You guys are very flexible in that you can offer so many different things. You can offer the delivery. You've got stuff at her company. You've got the pop-ups. Like it's just, it's fun to see how many different avenues you offer, um, offer your cuisine. Mm Mm-hmm. When you look at the future of Conscious Comforts right now, obviously it's something that's evolving all the time, but what do you see? Um, I I would like to keep expanding to to keep wholesaling like with coffee shops and I know her company is I think starting one in Lincoln, so hopefully getting out there and maybe even expanding past there as well. I think we're finding that yeah, the wholesaling um our items and a larger variety of items is is definitely hitting that goal of getting to be more accessible to people. Pop-ups are great, but it's that short time from the three hours where you can come eat our food, but that's it. Whereas wholesaling, you, you can go during those other businesses whole hours. And so I think um, expanding to more coffee shops, maybe some grocery stores um, is really going to be um, our goal and how we, how we get there. Sure. I would also love to get figure out how to. Sh- I know all of our items won't be shippable, but I would love to figure out how to ship some of our items as well for maybe out of staters. Mm-hmm. We've tried. They just we have we'll like test send them to someone and they'll send us a picture of what they look like and they're just never stellar. So we haven't quite figured that out. They always say they taste great, but yeah, looks wise. So yeah. hopefully in the future that's something we can do. 
And speaking of the whole wholesale, it's been really encouraging for me in that there's been a couple times where Alexis, you've posted on Instagram, I think probably just in a story like, Hey, dropping off some s'mores, pop tarts and some pasta and some cinnamon rolls at her company. And like, I've tried to go in the next day sometimes even that day and get some of those items and there's like one left or they're sold out. And Mm -hmm. selfishly I'm disappointed because I'm like, Oh man, I wish I could have gotten that. But like for you guys, I'm super pumped because I'm like, man, how cool is this? That this thing that you guys have created, like within hours, people are so excited about it. They're seeing these social media posts and they are going out and getting that stuff. I'm just, I, like, I'm just excited for you guys and what you've created. It's growing, and it's really making a market here in Omaha. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting, and we we make as much as we can. We stock as much as we can, and it flies, which we're very thankful for. Yeah, by all means, please mm-hmm. don't take that oh, as, no, like, a not criticism at all. Not that, at all. Should, not that you at should all. be making more. That's not what I meant. We'd love to. <laughs> but. I think the, uh, it's a new revelation for me, but I used to always, like, worry, am I posting too much? Am I being too repetitive? And... Um, the owner, Andrea, of her company, she has drilled it into our heads. Never stop posting about your business. And by golly, I'm never going to stop. <laughs> so every Thursday, you can see the same post. Hey, mm-hmm. it's restock Here day. Go get your stuff. Mm-hmm. And she says, as soon as I post, people are in there. And I'm like, great. I am glad that it is working. Mm-hmm. So, um, And I think West Omaha, I think there's a huge need for it in West Mm -hmm. Omaha. There's not much. So I think that we're really hitting the market there for sure. Yeah. You can never post enough. I think (laughs) I work at a church and so we have announcements every week. And I think the number is like the research goes at like three out of every 10 people that hear an announcement, Mm -hmm. it like processes and Mm -hmm. they'll actually act on it. So you just have to keep hitting them with the information over and over again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it, like it sticks in their brain. It works. Yeah. It works. Yes, it absolutely works. All right, two questions I got for you guys that I like to ask everybody who comes on the show before I let you out of here. And the first one is, what is one thing about the food service industry, about just food in general, about vegan cuisine, gluten-free cuisine, whatever direction you want to take this, what's one thing about food that you think most people outside of the food industry don't understand that you wish they did? I can go. I yeah. think food builds relationships and I've noticed that in like every aspect I've been in it, like from serving to bartending, I've met so many people and had amazing conversations and those people have bled into my business and they're still friends and I made new friends throughout my business. So I think that's a lot of people don't realize like how it puts you face to face with people you never thought you would be face to face with and having amazing conversations with. So that's just my little, little tidbit. It's really underrated. Awesome part about the the restaurant industry, the service industry. Um, I think for me, it would be how necessary it is for the local community to support your local businesses. Um, And then also to have grace for those people behind the Facebook pages. Um, Running a business is really hard, and a lot of people are just trying to do what they think is best for themselves and their family. And so I think um, having grace for those people and and just supporting them, and if they make a mistake, they want to know that they made a mistake. So call them and be like, hey, this this happened, and they're going to make it right for you. They are. Um, 
they're the people in your community. So they're, they're going to, they want you to be happy. So, yeah. All right. And to get you guys out of here on a positive note, what's your favorite thing about being part of the food industry? My favorite thing. I mean, you might've just, you might've just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I think like right now, like being on this side of it, like be getting to do my own thing is really, really neat. Like being my own boss, I guess that's what I always wanted. And I'm finally hitting that note. So it's been really cool. For me, it's the people. Um, I think I heard a quote that said, like, your friends will not be your biggest supporters, but your biggest supporters will become your friends. And um, we just went to dinner last night with one of our best regulars at Veg Edibles Six Course Dinner. And it was so fun to, like, get to talk to her and hang out with her outside of her just coming to pick up our food. And so I think getting to meet those new people and – when they come and see us getting to catch up on their lives and mm-hmm. they've really become a, a staple in, in our lives. It's mm-hmm. been really fun. All right, listeners, you want to become one of those new people in Lauren and Alexis's <laughs> lives. You should, you like, really, I highly encourage you to check this food out. It is really, really good. Everything I've had, I've been very impressed with even some of the stuff where I'm just like, man, I, I'm not sure, but I I've had conscious comforts before I trust and, everyone's been a hit. So the ways that you can get hooked up, you can buy things off of consciouscomforts.com. You can um, just stop into her company. There's usually something stocked in there. Yeah. Um, or follow them on Instagram and Facebook. See all the good stuff that Alexis is doing, all those posts that she's <laughs> talked about. You may as well check it out and humor her at at the very least like Mm -hmm. she's putting the hard work in give her a reward for it so (laughs) hit that like button hit that like smash that like button as i was gonna say as a kid say i don't think they say that anymore i'm I'm way out of touch so are we (laughs) anyway lauren and alexis thank you so much for coming on the show today this was just such a great time to get to hear more about your story and and your food thank you thank you very much it was a lot of fun and omaha as always thanks for eating with us a Huda Media Production.